60,000 is brought to you in part by RP Funding. RP Funding Inc. is licensed and can offer loans in Alabama, Arkansas, Florida, Kentucky, Louisiana, North Carolina, Ohio, Oklahoma, South Carolina, Tennessee, Texas, Virginia, and West Virginia, and is also licensed by the Mississippi Department of Banking and Consumer Finance and by the Pennsylvania Department of Banking and Securities. Office is located at 500 Wonderly Place, Suite 300, Maitland, Florida, 32751. Telephone 321-397-4420. RP Funding Nationwide Mortgage Licensing System ID number is 70168, and Robert Palmer's NMLS ID number is 76197. We're saving thousands right here on the Saving Thousands Radio Network. And at the helm is Robert Palmer. Robert Palmer is the consumer empowering voice explaining all important facets of finance from savings to credit cards, credit scores, loans of every type, and how we can take control of our money. It doesn't matter if you're making $100 a week or you're making $5,000 a week. All of us fall prey to the big financial institutions that are constantly setting traps. And those traps cost us money. So we've got to be smarter than that. We've got to take control of our finances. And that's what we're going to start doing right now on this show. Today's topics are the basics of your credit score. Do you know how your credit score is done? Do you know how it's made? Do you know what affects your credit score? I mean, everybody knows that if we're late on payments, that hurts. But how do we rebuild our credit? We don't have to hire a company to do it. All right, we'll talk about one of the important saving thousands rules that has to do with credit. We'll talk about the home value hotline. It's a great tool for every homeowner. The advantages of uh, buying rather than renting. We'll talk about educating our kids and getting our kids financially in charge before they leave the house. And we'll catch up with that no closing cost refi program and Robert will tell us how it all works. But right now, let's talk credit. Robert? And, and so people understand a little bit how credit scoring works. Again, the basics. A lot of, I mean, just the basics of this, so many people don't understand. So there are three credit bureaus in this country, all right? Mm -hmm. Equifax, Experian, and TransUnion, all right? These guys don't generate the credit scores, right? They didn't invent the credit scores. What they invented was, and they call them repositories. What they are is they're basically the holding bank. They hold all the information on your credit. And so what happens is all of the credit companies, all the mortgage companies, all the big car lenders, collection agencies, all these people, they transmit data to the three credit bureaus, Equifax, Experian, and TransUnion. Mm -hmm. And then these guys keep a file of you, right? So that file is your credit report. And again, they're not getting daily updates. They get it once a month. Some companies only report every couple of months. I've got one credit card in particular. They only report every couple months. Really? So if I miss that deadline and I've got a balance on there, that balance is going to stick with me for the next two or three months. It drives <laughs> me crazy. It's a smaller credit union that I that I bank with, mm -hmm. and they just they don't report as often as as the bigger guys do. You know, because you think about it, like there is a there's a this, they have to actually physically do it. Like they have to gather all this data up and put it in a format that's acceptable to the credit bureaus, and they got to transmit it to them. It's not, there's not just like it just beams around in the sky, mm -hmm. right? And so we actually, we report now, you know, on the loans that we service at RP Funding, we had to get set up to, to report to the credit bureaus. And so what happens is the credit bureaus have this big file on you, and each of your credit lines is only, is only transmitting the data once a month in most cases. Mm -hmm. But uh, that means that the data is hitting them all throughout the month. Right, because one of my credit cards may send the transmission on the third, and one may send the transmission on the tenth, and one may send the transmission on the twentieth, and so it's constantly changing as these new transmissions come in. Well, then there's another company called Fair Isaac Corporation, which we all know is FICO, F-I-C-O, uh -huh. and these are the guys that actually invented the credit score. Okay, so what Fair Isaac, F-I-C-O, FICO, Fair Isaac Corporation figured out is they said, okay, here's what we're going to do: we're going to get all that data from Experian, TransUnion, Equifax. And then we're going to run a model on it and we're going to give it back a number. You know, we're going to give it back a score because what, what they realized or the problem they were trying to solve is a lot of lenders, you know, credit card companies, it was, it was very expensive to pay someone to read through seven years of your credit data and then try to decide if you were going to be a credit worthy person or not. Uh -huh. Right. So they would, they would look through and they would pay these people, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars a year whose job were to look through the credit report and say, okay, well, he's had this he's had this car loan for six years and never missed a payment. And he's had this credit card for 18 years and never missed a payment. Nope. Nope. There he, he had a late payment on this credit card back five years ago. You know, oh, this credit card's pretty near its balance, you know, and, and then these, it was like an art form. These people's job was then to <laughs> like process all this data and decide, okay, do we think this person's going to pay or not? So what Fair Isaac figured out, uh, FICO, is they took all of this data and they went back and they analyzed it and they said, okay, so we see here that in June, this guy filed bankruptcy, right? So what did his credit look like in February, March, April, and May leading up to that bankruptcy? 
because okay. those are the warning signs that someone is heading toward a bankruptcy. And so when they took millions and millions of credit reports and they dumped them all into this scoring model, and then the scoring model took negative events in people's credit files and then looked back to see what was happening immediately before that negative event, and that's what they used to, to generate their scoring model. And so the big pitch to the lenders was, hey, instead of having to pay this person all this money to read through 30 pages of this guy's credit report, we're going to give you back a number. And that number gives you the probability that this loan will pay back. And so if your credit score is down in the 500s, you have something like a like a 50, 50 to 60% chance of paying mm-hmm. the money back. It's pretty low. And then if your credit score is over 760 or 780, it's like you have like a 99.9% chance that you're going to pay that money back. And, and so we, over the years, as the credit score has been reinforced more and more and more, there are lenders today, that's all they look at. I mean, for a lot of credit cards and car loans today, mm-hmm. they, they don't even look at the, the data behind it. They just look at the score. And if the score says 780, boom, you're good to go. If mm. the score says 580, you're out the door. I mean, it really has just come down to that. And so because we are now being judged by this number, and the biggest problem with the number, Rob, is the number can't know about things that happen in your life, right? You can't tell the number, oh, well, I went through a bad divorce and those aren't my debts. Those are my ex-spouse's debts and they're a deadbeat. You know, the the, the number can't see that, right? And so we took so much of the human element out of this, but it's important for consumers to understand because, again, it it doesn't affect bad on your credit until you go 30 days late, right? So if if your credit card is due on the third, I got a credit card payment, it's a hundred bucks and it's due on April 4th. As long as I make it by May 3rd, it's not going to reflect negatively on my credit report, right? It's not considered a 30-day late. And then, so then they go in 30-day increments. So a 30-day late is kind of your first ding. And then you have all the way until a 60-day late before it gets worse. And then a 90-day late and, and so on and so forth. Then other types of debts don't report at all. Like if you're 30 days late on your electric bill, like they can cut your power off. Yeah. And it never goes on. It goes on your credit report much later if they actually file a collection against you. Uh. But uh, but so so say your, your power bill's due on, you know, April April 3rd, and I don't pay it by May 3rd, and then they send me the warning notice, and I don't pay it by June 3rd, and then they come shut my power off, and then like, oh, God, I need my power back on, so mm-hmm. I find the money to run in there and pay it, and they turn the power back on. Uh, that never reflects on your credit report. That whole transaction wow. of, of being three months late and having the credit, the, the power cut off will not affect your credit report, your credit score at all. Now, four or five months later, if you still haven't paid it, now they will sell that account to a collection agency or they will file a collection against you, and that does go on your credit, and that's mm-hmm. very, very damaging. So one of the things that, that people have to understand is if you do hit hard times, uh, if you don't pay your cell phone bill, it's not going to ruin your credit. If you don't pay your car payment within the 30 days, you know, if you pay your car payment at day 31, if you pay your credit card at day 31, now your credit score is going to drop hundreds of points. Mm, if you pay what? your cell phone bill at day 60, nobody cares. It doesn't go on your credit. You pay your utility bill, your water bill, your power bill, your property tax bill. These things you can be late with, and they don't show up on your credit. So, again, this is where education is important, mm-hmm. you know. And, and so knowing this, you know, when I hit hard times in my life, and there's been there's been times, you know, when, when I when I started my first uh, my first mortgage company, Rob, and I, I you know I've had I've had two 30 day late payments in my life ever on my credit. It was wow. both times because I just screwed up, like it, it totally blew it. One, I swear I paid. Mm-hmm. And Discover says I didn't, and I want, I hate those guys. Like I, I canceled <laughs> that card, and I will never do business with them again because I know I paid that bill anyway. Uh, but so early on, you know, when I started my first mortgage company, uh, there was actually a point where I think I was like three months late on the phone bill for the office. You know, because it was tough. You know, starting off was tough. Sure. This was I was young. I think I was probably like nineteen or twenty, and you know, I had this great idea that I'm gonna I'm gonna own my own mortgage company, and I go out there, and I really didn't have enough money to do it, and I gave it a whirl. And uh, so I was like, I was like three months late on my on my office phone bill. And my my best friend at the time's dad actually loaned me the money to go pay it. Wow. Uh, my, my mom didn't have the money. You know, my mom couldn't help me out. My parents couldn't help me out. So my best friend's dad loans me like a thousand bucks. And I remember I'm down in line. At, this was like GTE back then. Yeah. You know, yeah. GTE, general telephone. I'm in line and and the, the lady tells me, she's like, okay, sir, you know, that's $1,011, whatever. And the guy behind me is like, what? How is your phone bill? Like he like, the guy's got <laughs> random guy behind me in line is like freaking out. That, that my phone bill is like just over a thousand dollars, and it was three months worth. They were about to shut it off. Oh, and let me tell you, when you own a small business and your phone gets shut off, mm-hmm. you're you're out of business. That's you it. are done. Uh, and so, but the whole time I kept paying my my credit cards and my cars. I I paid the stuff that would have reflected on my credit because if my credit score dropped, right? So as soon as I walked in there and I handed GTE a thousand dollars, all was forgiven. It was like it never happened, right? The phone stayed on, everything was fine. Mm-hmm. Had I gone three months late on a credit card, it would have affected my credit score. 
for the next 12, 18, 24 months. Mm -hmm. Had I gone three months late on my car payment, same thing, right? So I knew, you know, there was a point my power got cut off back in the day. It probably got cut off a couple of times back in the day. You know, and I'd be sitting around for a week with no power dealing with it. Go stay at a buddy's house because I, I got no power at my house. But again, I made sure I paid the credit cards and I made sure I paid the car loan because if those were late, it would have ruined my credit score. And in everything in life, especially as a small business owner, you know, if I wanted to get a new copy machine for the business, anything I wanted to do, when I went to open that 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 uh, phone account, they didn't make me give them a deposit because I had such a good credit score. Nice. You know, I almost got shut off because I didn't pay them for three months because I couldn't. <laughs> but, you know, again, so it, we, it, you've got to understand the system. You've got to understand how the system works so you can play by the rules. You can play by their rules and protect your credit score because little decisions like that. I mean, I think about that. Somebody who doesn't know that 30 days is the magic number, Rob, and, and they pay that, you know, they get the money on day 29, but then they don't pay it until day 30 or day 31 because they didn't know any better. They they thought they were already done, right? Sure. They thought when they when they got the late fee at day 15 that their credit was already ruined. And this happens to a lot of people. Uh-huh. You know, they get the day, you're 15 days late, you get charged a late fee, and you're thinking, oh, I just ruined my credit. What am I going to do? I just ruined my credit. I got to pay a late fee on this. In reality, you're good. You've got 15 more days. Uh-huh. It doesn't affect your credit until your past 30 days do. But people don't know that. And that's where education is so huge. And this is something I think we should be teaching in our schools that we're not. And, uh, you know, that's, that's again, it's why I'm here mm-hmm. on the radio to try to open people's minds up to this. Because everything you do in life, buying a house, buying a car, starting a small business, all of these things, you know, getting your kid into college and trying to get student loans, all of these things are going to be based on your credit score. You know, and so mm-hmm. if you don't have the good credit score, uh, you may not be able to get the things you want in life. Hey, if you tuned in late. We're saving thousands with Robert Palmer. A lot of people who listen to our show will ask me or they'll actually write in and ask Robert how in the world he came up with all of this financial knowledge. Well, I'll tell you what, when you're in the mortgage industry and Robert's been in the mortgage industry all of his working career, well, when you're in that industry, just imagine how many credit applications you've read over years and years and years. How many credit reports have you analyzed? How many people have you sat down with and tried to help them get that all-important home loan? Well, along the way, you cannot help but pick up on some of the points, some of the things that are going along on that road to financial freedom. And you'll see people with a a 500 credit score, and you'll talk to them. And then you'll see people with a 780 credit score, and you'll talk to them. And everybody has several things in common. And these are some of the rules, some of the guidance that you need to take over your money. Because you see, all of our lives, have you ever noticed the disconnect? All of our lives, starting from the time that we first begin in school, maybe even before that, we're being taught about jobs. We're being taught about making money. You know, this school's not going to last forever, your father says. And after that, you're going to be out on your own. You're going to be making a living. But the conversation always ends there. Our parents, our education system, never took it to step two, okay? Once I've made some money, once I get a paycheck, what am I going to do with it? How can I be in charge of my money? Or am I a financial zombie that just waits for the late notice or those threatening phone calls? You don't want to be that zombie anymore. You want to be in control, and you want to be proactive with your economy. And having said that, Robert, you came up with a great rule in your Saving Thousands Rules to Success, One of those rules says don't fear credit, but don't abuse it either. Let's talk about that. Yeah, Rob, we see a lot of people that get in trouble with credit card debt, right? And and, and so it's almost this, oh, I got this free money kind of attitude, right? (laughs) And again, this is is how the system is built. It's built to prey on, you know, college-age kids. Remember, Mm -hmm. we don't learn any of this stuff growing up. No. And so all of a sudden, you're given a credit card, and it's got a $5,000 limit on it. And, and they don't really tell you, well, hey, if you go spend all of that, here's what's going to cost you to pay it back. Yeah. Right? I mean, have you ever, whenever you, when you get a new credit card, have they ever warned you like, oh, by the way, if you max this thing out, the payment's going to be like $1,000 a month. They don't, they don't tell you any of that, No, right? because really when I, when I was younger, before I met you and I got a new credit card, I figured, hey, this department store just gave me a line of credit of $2,000. Honey, remember we wanted that microwave? And remember I wanted that lawnmower? And remember you wanted that couch? Well, let's go get it because they said we've got the money. So the the, the key is the, the don't abuse part is that I don't want you to buy that item unless you could have paid cash for it. Okay. Now, I'll let, repeat that. I don't want you to buy the item unless you could have paid cash for it. All right. This is the key. This is what will keep you. This is the abuse. So if you couldn't buy the item cash, if you don't have the money, and again, I'm, I'm not talking cars and homes. There are things where we need to borrow money. 
And again, that's where the don't fear credit comes in, right? Because there's some people out there that take this hard line and say, we should have no credit. We should be completely debt free. I just don't think that's realistic. And honestly, you're actually costing yourself money by being debt free because you're missing out on opportunities to take advantage of interest arbitrage where you pay less than you can earn, right? So being completely debt free is not a good strategy. It's kind of a, a cop out in my mind. It's it's the mm -hmm. easy way out. It's a, we're gonna oversimplify this because we think people are stupid and we're gonna tell them they shouldn't have any credit at all. I know you're not stupid. I know how smart you are. I know how smart we are as a people and, and we can do this correctly. We can have credit. We can use the credit correctly. We can not abuse the credit and we can actually benefit financially by having credit versus someone who has no credit. We get to take advantage of points, discounts, low interest rate deals. We can put money to work for us, all these things you can do. So the abuse part is, again, when you get that credit card, it doesn't mean go out and buy 10 new plasma TVs and whatever else. But it means that the items you're going to buy anyway, if you were going to pay cash, why not put them on a credit card and get the points get the rebates, get the refunds, get the discounts, get the gimmicks, but then make sure you pay it in full before the end mm. of the grace period. Because if you pay it off by the grace period, you didn't pay any interest, right? So if I can buy the item on a credit card and leave my money in my savings account or in the CD and let it sit there and maybe make a little interest, right? Uh, and, and then I can take advantage of the discounts and the miles and the rebates and the perks and then pay it off before the grace period ends and never pay a dime in interest, why would I not do that? Yeah. Why would I not take advantage of the system? Now, if you're abusing credit and you're buying things you otherwise could not afford, guess what will happen? Oh boy. You will be unable to pay them off when the grace period ends okay. because you never had the money to start with. So this is the, this is the abuse piece. The abuse piece is buying things you can't afford, buying things you would not otherwise buy purely because you have access to credit. But the fear part is I don't want you to be afraid to have credit. I want you to use credit. I think it's healthy to use credit. I think it's healthy to have credit. And I think there are ways you can benefit financially by having credit cards, by having low interest rate car loans, by having low interest rate mortgages, by having uh, you know low interest rate student loans. There's ways you can benefit financially from doing this. So don't be afraid and don't say, I'm just not gonna have any credit, but don't abuse it either. So we've gotta be smart. We've gotta be financial ninjas. We have got to uh, not abuse it. We've gotta treat it correctly, treat it with respect but also don't fear it. Don't be afraid to have it. Don't think having credit is a bad thing. Well, that's one of our Saving Thousands rules, Robert. And it's about time I tell the people that they can find the Saving Thousands rules to success. There are 15 of them, and you will find those at savingthousands.com. What a great site. It's not political. It's not leaning toward one party or another. It's simply information, not trying to sell you anything, no obligations, just furnishing you with articles, radio shows, research, more and more about the tools that you and I need. And we're not talking about Harvard economics here. We're talking about the day-to-day, week-to-week things that come into our lives, starting with money. And let's face it, from the time we wake up in the morning until the time we go to bed at night, and then throughout the night, we are spending money or we're saving money. Because look at this, even when you're sleeping, the power is running. You're being charged interest on your loans. There's a lot of things that are happening. We've got to be in charge of that. We've got to be on top of it. And like I said at the beginning of the program, if you're one of those people that is being reactive to the economy and not proactive, you're really hurting yourself. You're letting others control your money. It would be kind of like if you didn't have any food in your cabinets, no food in the refrigerator, and every meal you had to think, oh, gosh, what am I going to eat? And you'd have to run out to the store and get that food. Well, see, you plan better than that, don't we? We plan and we bring the foods home maybe once a week. And then it's there when we need it. Well, you've got to have your money in safe places so it's there when you need it. And you're not scrambling for one of those, um, you know, buy here, pay here car lots or one of those weekly advanced pay places. You don't want to be at their disposal. You want to take over. So look up those saving thousands rules. They're very easy to follow. And one of those rules is know your numbers. One of the numbers that you really have to know is your home's value. And boy, are we hearing a lot of commercials these days, Robert, from all these companies. There's Trulia, there's Zillow. There's all these companies wanting to be the source of our home value. Well, what are they getting out of it? And you know, in my way of thinking, I've been doing business with you for eight years. I think that Robert Palmer himself, you came up with the best strategy some eight years ago with the system that is the best in the business. 
Yeah, real quick, Rob. Let, let's uh, let's talk about Home Value Hotline for a second. Hey, let's do. You know, we're we're talking about a more educated consumer. We're talking about uh, people understanding what they're getting into. And one of the keys to this uh, is, you know, we've been talking a lot about buying a home, getting sure. into a new home. Uh, maybe you're out there listening and you already own a home, as a lot of our listeners do. And so, if you own a home, probably the most important thing to you uh, is to know what that home is worth, right? Because a lot of decisions in your life are impacted by, it. like, you know, let's say. Let's say, Rob, somebody out there listening right now, they, they've, they've been living in a house and they've had young children and now their first child is ready to go off to elementary school, mm-hmm. right? And, and maybe they want to have another child and, and the house is, they're in a three bedroom right now and to have another child, they really need a four bedroom. And they really want little Johnny to go to school at the other school district. You know, right now it was fine, but now they're realizing that the elementary school uh, in the school district they live in is not the best and they yeah. want the best for little Johnny we want little Johnny to grow up to be a brain surgeon. We want him to cure cancer. We want him to, you know, get the Nobel Peace Prize for solving world hunger. Uh, we have all these great aspirations for little Johnny. You know, we want him to be the first president of the United States uh, from your neighborhood, right? Nice. And, and so we need little Johnny to go to a good school. And uh, But unfortunately, you feel like you're stuck in your current house because maybe you bought it in 2005. Oh, right? Good. I mean, that's about, it's about when you would have bought it, right? I mean, a new couple buys mm-hmm. a three-bedroom, two-bath house in 2005. And then a couple yeah, years later, they get pregnant, right? And then the little Johnny is now getting to that point where he's ready to go off to elementary school. That's, that timeline yeah, works. We're in there. And they maybe feel like they're still upside down in the house. Uh, and maybe they went online and they went to the big Z <laughs> and got the big Z estimate, Trouble. the big and accurate Z estimate. And it told them the house was only worth X when it's really worth Y. And so now you're feeling trapped in the house. You're feeling like little Johnny can't ever grow up to be president of the United States because <laughs> you paid too much for your house. And now little Johnny will never cure world hunger because you paid too much for the house and you're upside down and you can't sell it. Uh, and one simple call to the Home Value Hotline may be able to dispel uh, all of those fears and problems. Because what we find, Rob, is a lot of people's homes are worth a whole lot more than they think they are. You know, the, the estimates are slow to keep up with the market and they're very inaccurate. And home values have been increasing. We have seen a, a huge increase in Central Florida home values over the last 18 to 24 months. And so if you want to know what your house is really worth, all right, we're going to have a live human being and not a server farm in California, not a, not the latest Intel Xenon double dipper processor out in uh, out in the big Z server farm in the bunker in Palo Alto, <laughs> You know, that the doesn't know what a house looks like. It's just crunching bits and bytes to try to spit out a number to make Big Z more money. Uh, we're going to have an actual live breathing human being, someone who sets home prices in your neighborhood each and every day, the person who is making the market, the person who decided how much the home down the street got put up for sale for and how much the last home sold for. They were at the front line negotiating that contract. This is someone who has their pulse. They have the pulse of the neighborhood. They understand what homes are really worth. They can give you an accurate representation of your home's value. They will answer questions. They will guide you in the right direction. And they do this all for free as a favor to me as a part of the Saving Thousands Radio Network Home Value Hotline. So you can call it right now. It's a recorded message. You will hear my wonderful voice. I, like I will it. give you some basic instructions. You leave your name, phone number, the address of the property you would like the free home valuation on. There's no obligation. There's no hidden gotcha. This is a public service because I need more people to know that they actually have equity in their home and that they are able to sell that home so little Johnny can go to elementary school in the better school district and he can grow up to cure world hunger and become the president of the United States all at the same time. And mm. all they got to do, Rob, and you can call this 24 hours a day. That's it. And it's very high tech, right? I'm competing with the Xenon Triple Blue server <laughs> farm in California with a voicemail <laughs> box. It's expensive. What's the know. number, Rob? Dude? Give, them, give them the number. 866-222-8231. One more time. Well, maybe two. 866-222-8231. That's the home value hotline. It costs you nothing. It's accurate. It's the people who are actually selling homes in that area, that zip code. They know everything about it. Find out what your home is really, really worth. And once you know your home value, you may opt for a refinance. That's right. You may want to refinance your home. And with Robert Palmer, we're going to talk later in the show about how easy that is to get a refi. Well, what would you do with a refi? Why do people refinance their homes? Well, there's an awful lot of things you can do with your money. And that is your money. I mean, it's the equity you've got in your home. 
It's kind of like the interest that, that compounds at the bank. Well, not so much these days, but you know, there are times when you can put money in a bank and it appreciates. That's your money. You're not borrowing it. So anyway, on a refinance, your home builds up equity and that's money that you can put to your use. You could lower your mortgage interest rate and your monthly payment with a simple refinance. You could eliminate that pesky mortgage insurance that sometimes may be costing you upwards of two to $300 a month. You can eliminate that totally with a refi with certain circumstances, all right? You could shorten the term of your mortgage. Maybe you've got a 30-year mortgage. Well, 30 years is a long time. You don't want to enter your retirement years or even your late 50s with a housing payment. So let's refi it. One of the rules that Robert has is buy with a 30-year mortgage so you have affordable payments. And then as your equity builds up, let's go ahead and refi to a 15. And you'd be surprised with today's rates, that payment is going to be just about exactly the same. All right. So shortening the term of your mortgage is great. You could take out cash, pay off those 28% credit cards, okay, and be disciplined. Don't run them back up but then use the money you're saving every month that you would have been paying into the credit cards. You can use that money for investments. You could even use it to pay down your home loan faster. So a refi can be a really, really great, great way for you to go. And if you're just tuning in, we're saving thousands with Robert Palmer and that's real money. That's what we're talking about. And you know what? A lot of people, Robert, are still hesitating, especially the younger people are hesitating to get into the housing market. Well, you know, Owning a home is good, right? So if it was so terrible, we wouldn't have landlords, right? I mean, you know, if you look, if you look at the the wealth of people who are landlords compared to those who are renters, right? The 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 landlords are the rich ones, right? They're the really wealthy ones. They're the ones that have really? a, a high net worth. Why? You know, because they have the real estate. And and if it was a bad deal, if owning a home was a bad deal in the long term, do you think these really rich folks would own so much real estate? Absolutely not. Uh, and and what, what happened, Rob, is for, for a whole generation, they saw the way real estate ruined a lot of families' lives, right? And, and it did. And, and you know, we had, we had the crash and a lot of people were upside down. Uh, what I will tell you is if people, you know, the people who didn't get the toxic mortgages, who didn't get taken advantage of, who got a good, solid 30-year fixed mortgage, they really didn't have the problem, right? Because their payment didn't change. Their payment didn't go up. They just kept paying it like it was rent, right? So if you lived in a house... And all of a sudden that house loses value. Well, if the payment is affordable, if the payment's the same as rent, who cares? When you were a renter, you didn't get any benefit of the value of the home, right? And, and so, but for a whole generation, they saw, you know, property prices crash. And it really happened very quickly. I mean, over a two or three year period, we saw property crash, you know, property values crash. Mm -hmm. And they immediately have now started going back up. And if you delete that whole period, right? If you just, if you take the long-term appreciation chart, and you delete like 2005 and six and seven, uh, maybe even 2004, it's a pretty straight line, right? So we had that anomaly where it spiked and it came back down, but over the long haul. So even the, like me, I, I had a lot of properties. I bought, I bought the house I'm sitting in right now in 2007, right? Uh, eight years ago to uh, this week, actually. And uh, so, yeah, it's worth a lot more than uh, the one, or a lot less than what I paid for it. Uh, but uh, actually, I'm getting pretty close back now. But, but, you know, but, but the payment is the payment. And I owe a lot less than I did when I bought it eight years ago. And so, yeah, I didn't hit the home run with the appreciation part, but I'm starting to get that back now. And I bought it the worst possible time on this particular property. And so even when you miss in real estate over the long haul, you're going to be fine. You know, 15, 20 years from now, this thing's going to be paid off, right? And uh, it's going to be paid off and it's going to be worth more than what I paid for. And it's going to be a really nice asset. So even, even the worst of times, uh, real estate is still... Uh, more beneficial mm -hmm. than renting, right? And, and so what we see, Rob, is people who have owned before, people who have seen the impact this has, right? You know, when you live in a house and you make your payment and uh, all of a sudden you wake up 10 years later and you've got 70, 80, $90,000 in equity in that house, right? This is, that's real money. You know, well, we, we have people that they, they bought their first home. You know, they buy a $200,000 home, probably right about the same time they start putting money into their 401k, right? And, and so then they wake up 10 years later and the, the home has seventy, eighty, ninety thousand dollars in equity, and the four hundred one k only has like twenty or thirty thousand in it, and, and they realize that the buying the home was probably the the best choice they could have made for their retirement. Buying the home has done more to increase their net worth and put them in a position to succeed. You know, people who bought homes in two thousand ten and eleven are absolutely seeing this right now. 
You know, their, their homes are up significantly. There's people who just in two or three years, their homes increase sixty, seventy thousand dollars That's mm-hmm. real money. They can sell the home right now and bank that money uh, into their 401k or whatever they want to do it into a retirement account. They've got sixty or $70,000 more than the person who chose to rent, right? So let's, let's go back to person A and person B. So in 2010, person A and person B, remember person A is my guy who pays cash for everything mm-hmm. and doesn't believe in credit and thinks that credit's the path of financial ruin, which it can be if you're irresponsible, right? But you don't have to be irresponsible. That's your choice. And then person B, who's very responsible, person B pays their cards off every month, takes advantage of the points, takes advantage of the discounts on the vehicle. They probably furnish their whole house with using credit card points, right? And they, they buy the vehicle, they buy an affordable car, but they take out a loan on it. Uh, so they can get a little bit newer cars so they don't have to have the big maintenance bills and they have the good credit score. And so now in 2010, person A and person B both go to buy a $200,000 house. And person A can't get a mortgage because they don't have any credit. So they go rent. Person B buys the $200,000 house. Fast forward to today, and that house is probably worth $260,000, dollars $270,000. So the person who was not afraid of credit, the person who, who followed rule number four, rule number four, don't abuse credit, but don't fear it either. Don't fear credit, but don't abuse it. The person who followed rule number four now has an extra sixty, seventy, eighty thousand dollars in net worth because the home went up in value. The mortgage has gone down in balance, right? And and who knows how much they've made during that time period off of cashing in their credit card points, not having to pay for vacations, getting the discount on the truck, whatever it is, you know, and and the vehicle got paid off and they traded that one in and went out and got another vehicle with a similar payment. But it's a nicer vehicle this time because they had the down payment money plus the equity in the first vehicle and they took out the small loan. And they didn't get eaten up with maintenance bills and, and repair bills on their car because they bought a little bit newer. Who's in a better situation today? And you know what? Person A is paying more in rent each and every year while person B's home, uh, their home payment never went up. That's it. It That's was it. frozen. They they locked in. <laughs> the person who bought the home on a 30-year fixed rate loan in 2010 locked in the 2010 monthly prices, right? Think about it that way. 2010 fact, money. Yeah, mon- yeah, 2010 money, 2010 <laughs> monthly prices, right? The Rent has gone up uh, dramatically since 2010, but that person's mortgage payment is the exact same. This is what's powerful about the way everything we talk about here on the radio fits together, right? You know, we've got to have credit. We can't fear it. We've got to own real estate sooner, not later. We've got to shop around. You know, we're going to assume that both of our people shop around. We're going to assume they all follow rule number one, always shop around so that they they got a good deal on the car. They got a good deal on the house. They got a good deal on the mortgage. We're going to assume all that. You know, rule number two, Rob, know your numbers. Uh, you know, person number one doesn't know their credit score because they don't have one, That's right? right? And, and person number two's got a great credit score, which empowered them to buy that home. You know, know your numbers, know your home value. That's another big one. You know, for person two, they're really excited now when they call the home value hotline and find out how much that house is worth compared to what they, they bought it for and compared to what they owe on it today. Mm-hmm. Your balances, you know, as that mortgage balance is going down and the home value is going up, as that car loan balance is going down, right? With every payment and eventually it's going to be free and clear. You know, this is know your numbers. This is rule number two. Uh, interest rates, obviously a big one. You know, don't, they're not going to take, my financial ninjas aren't going to take a crappy interest rate. They're not going to get beat up. They're not going to forget to make that credit card payment. They're going to make sure that everything is paid on time. They're not going to be a victim of identity theft, right? They're going to monitor their credit. They're going to know what's going on. They're going to be in tune with this. They're not going to put their head in the sand. They're not going to meander around like a financial zombie. You know, anybody out there who's watched The Walking Dead, you know, these zombies just bounce around until they either hit a chain link fence. You know, Rob, if the zombie apocalypse ever happens, I'm going to invest everything I have in chain link fence companies (laughs) uh, because it's just probably the most important thing in, in fighting zombies. Uh, you know, and so this is what financial zombies do. They just kind of bounce off of things and they just kind of meander and wander around and, and then a new loud noise pops up and maybe they'll pay attention. So, you know, the, the, the loud noise is maybe your, your car insurance goes up so much that you notice, right? They normally, normally they just increase it a little bit on you every year and they slow walk you into a higher payment. And then one year they, they mess up and they overcharge you a little too much. And now it shows up on your radar. You know, this is the loud sound that's going to finally attract the the attention of the financial zombie. You know, they they've been the the subject to these little increases. You know, they've been on auto pay. They're not paying attention. They don't open the bills. They have no idea. They've got credit cards. They're making the minimum payments on, and then all of a sudden the card's maxed out, and now they wake up and pay attention. Right? This is this is financial zombie, and I want you to be a financial ninja. I want you to 
to know your numbers. I want you to pay attention. I want you to have a plan. I want you to understand the power and the benefits of credit. I want you to understand what it means to have a good credit score, what it means to have a, a good solid credit history, what it means to have available credit that you can utilize in an emergency. So you're not having to go back and borrow money from mom and dad, or if you are mom and dad, you're not having to borrow money from the kids. You know, cause this is what kills me, Rob. There's people out there who will refuse to have, you know, traditional credit because, you know, they think it's going to ruin them, but they get in a pinch and they'll go borrow money from their kids or borrow money from their parents. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I, this is where having those cards available, having that, you know, having that emergency fund, let's not forget, I want everybody, rule number 10, I want you to have a savings account equal to three months of your last three months of gross pay, right? Not take home gross pay, your last three months of gross pay. Now, not everybody has that, right? They should, if they listen to this radio show, they shouldn't. If you're in that situation, it's going to be a lot longer before you would need to fall back on credit to help you in an emergency. But a lot of people don't have that. A lot of people can't put away the three months. Uh, and so if you can't, you've got to have something else to fall back on. So we, we've got to, when I say don't abuse credit, when rule number four says don't abuse credit, this is don't live outside your means. Don't purchase things you can't afford, right? But when you've got the cash, when you've got the money, when it's an easy purchase that you're going to make anyway, I don't want you to fear credit. If you can benefit from using the credit, I want you to use the credit. It's, it's that simple. And uh, so that, that's rule number four. You know, as you listen to this show, you can't help but notice that Robert Palmer is passionate about empowering you about money. That is his big mission in life right now. Robert has been very, very successful in his business life. And one of the things he wants to do with that success is pass along the rules that he's learned along the way to you. So, yes, he's passionate about it. And that's why he does this radio show. If you'll notice, we are not running commercials during this radio show. It is not an income-producing vehicle for Robert. It's giving back. It's paying it forward. And so, not only do we have the radio show, but as I've mentioned before in the show, we also have the Home Value Hotline. So, not only do we have the radio show, which is evident, you're listening to it, but we also supply you with the SavingThousands.com website. We also have an iHeart channel. That would be go to iHeart and just simply search out Robert Palmer. We now also offer you an app. We make it so easy to become financially empowered. And again, we're not asking for anything in return. This is all about a public service. This is all about the Robert Palmer family of companies are very, very successful in finance and the best way for us to continue and other good companies in this country to continue is by having an informed consumer base. That way you've got more money at the end of the day, the end of the week, the end of the year. And when that's it, we all win-win, right? So that's the whole thing behind it. So you've got the radio show, the Our Heart Channel. You've got past radio shows that you can hear on the SavingThousands.com website as well as articles. You've got the Saving Thousands app. I mean, it's all right there for you free each and every day. Now that is really cool. But why as a society do we wait until we're adults to get our financial education? We're, we're really, Robert, putting our kids behind the eight ball because as they leave the house and go to college and get a job and start a family, they are really clueless when it comes to money. Yeah, it's it's this whole taboo. It's that we don't we don't want to talk about it, you know. And, and so we're 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 totally willing to hand uh, a four year old our our iPad or iPhone or Android tablet and let them play around with it, and learn and, and experience. We don't want to give them money. We don't want to talk to them about how much we make. We don't want to talk to them about what our credit score is. We don't want to talk to them about how many how much credit card availability we have or how much credit card debt we have. Uh, and so it's this whole foreign concept and. And how are we supposed to learn? You know, I, I love going back to this language example. If you refuse to speak to your child, they would never learn. They would never learn English. They would never learn how to talk. Exactly. Right. And so, if you if you refuse to talk to your child about the language of finance, how are they ever going to understand it? And then, for a lot of parents, they don't understand it themselves. Uh, and, and so, how are they going to talk to their kids about it? Because there's you no know, no good resource out there. There's been no good way uh, to learn. And that's what I'm here to fix. And that's what we're going to fix. And whether that means that I have to write this whole curriculum myself and make it available to people on savingthousands.com where they can download mm -hmm. it and, and go over it with their kids themselves or if we can get it in the school systems or whatever we can do, that's what I've now got to figure out. But it, it is my mission in life to fix this and, and to make uh, knowledge and education about financial services, about personal finance, uh, financial literacy in general available to 
the younger generation. Uh, and, and if parents don't want to do it with their own examples, we'll build fictitious examples. You know, we'll we'll build some crazy character like a Barney the Purple Dinosaur and and have him <laughs> show kids what his paycheck looks like and, and figure this out. But it's something that has to happen. Uh, and if you look at it, all the thing kids are taught. I mean, where is this? It, it's nowhere. It's nowhere on the horizon. Uh, nobody's thinking about it. Nobody's talking about it. I think that's on purpose. Again, I, I believe, and I, you know, I don't. I don't want to come across like a conspiracy theorist guy, but you know, I, I really, I know for a fact that financial services companies will go to great lengths to prevent consumers from being educated when it comes to interest and fees and APRs and annual fees and late fees and credit cards and balances and student loans and all this stuff because that's how they make money, right? One of the rules is if you know their tricks, they don't work. They don't want you to know the tricks. Uh, the whole point of education is so you know the tricks. Because uh, the big problem is if everybody figures out the tricks, if everybody figures out how to how to live responsibly and not pay a bunch of interest, uh, what are they gonna what are they gonna pay for their big glass towers with? How are they gonna pay to have 900 executive vice presidents? I mean, right. if you look at a lot of the waste and things happening at big financial services companies, it comes on the back of consumers. And we're gonna fix that. We're gonna change that. We're gonna change it right now with our listeners, and we're gonna change it at the core all the way down to down to our kids in schools and we're going to empower them earlier. We're going to give them the knowledge they need and we're going to teach them. We're going to teach them how to conquer this beast. We're going to teach them how to be financial ninjas from an early age. We're going to teach them how to be comfortable, right? I mean, just imagine, imagine a time when, when kids are so comfortable and so understanding of what impacts their credit score or what impacts oh, interest, oh, right? Oh. So the same way they're amazing their parents with the things they can do on computers, the things they can do on cell phones or tablets. Imagine if they're amazing you with the ways they can avoid interest by using credit cards in the right way. They can maximize their credit score by building out the perfect credit profile, by by knowing, well, if I buy that car with 0% interest, I can stick the money over here in an exchange-traded fund, and I can pick up whatever the market does. And I mean, imagine if your kids are coming to you with this type of information and knowledge and what a proud parent you'd be and how much money they could save and how many pitfalls they could avoid in life. And that's the world I want to live in. Rob, I want to live in a world where kids are as comfortable with financial decisions and making good decisions about money and making good decisions about credit scores and credit cards and student loans and car loans and mortgages as they are at playing around with an iPad or an Android tablet mm -hmm. or whatever piece of technology that they're oh so comfortable with today. And it's totally possible because, look, it's no more complex. It's about trusting them to do it, right? And so I, I think if you look, one of the reasons that we're so willing uh, to give kids our, you know, the phones and tablets today is we feel like they can't break them. We feel like they can't mess them up, right? When computers were early, there was this fear like you could mess the computer oh, yeah. up. And, and now we've, we've, we've made it so rock solid that there's really nothing you could do to, to screw up a tablet, right? Short of like smashing it over your, your knee. Uh, but so it was our own fears, right? The, the, the kids can conquer this stuff, right? As human beings, we are very, very intelligent. We do not give ourselves credit for the potential we have. Uh, we do not give ourselves credit for the things we can accomplish at very young ages if we are just given the opportunity and so the reason that the kids are so comfortable with iPhones and iPads and tablets is because their parents are giving them the opportunity to be. Mm -hmm. They're handing them the tablet at age four, age five, age three, and letting them play around with it. Nobody was handing a kid a real laptop at that age because there was a fear they could mess it up. No one's handing a kid access to financial information or credit scores or credit cards because they're afraid they can mess it up. They're afraid they're not ready. We're putting this limit on them, all right? The kids are smart. Kids can do this stuff. I mean, we absolutely, we don't give ourselves enough credit as a species. Uh, we we are very intelligent. We don't maximize our potential, and it all starts at a very young age. And if you don't believe me, hand a four-year-old a tablet and, and watch them amaze you. Now, I'll tell you what. You watch the kids today. They can play any video game there is, and they can excel to the highest level right here in the same office park that we're in, EA Sports. They capitalize in teaching kids. Well, how about if they come up with a game like Credit Crush yeah. <laughs> or, or Angry Customers instead of yeah. Angry Birds? <laughs> there you go. I mean, let's come up with something because the kids show their intellect. They can do this. Absolutely. They can and, absolutely do it. And this is so important. Just like technology touches every aspect of your life now, uh, personal finance and, oh. and finance touches every aspect of your life. And 
again, we we've got to fix this. This is this is my mission. We're gonna be talking about this more on upcoming shows. Well, I almost forgot. I wanted to tell you about some of the articles on SavingThousands.com that you are reading on demand. That's right. These are articles that you have scanned all the way through the Saving Thousands site, and you've gone to many of our article pages, and you've read these articles. Well, some of them tend to be read more than others. So we might move them from the category that they're in to the home page of SavingThousands.com. And that is the case with four or five of the articles that really seem to be in demand right now. I mean, we're talking about tens of thousands of people that are reading these articles as well as the others, but these seem to be the most popular, okay? The first one right now, and of course, it's that time of year when we're not that many months away from tax season. So a lot of people coming up to the end of the year are looking at financial clutter. What documents do we need to keep and for how long? One of the worst feelings, you're getting into your closet, you're looking, you got boxes and boxes and boxes of stuff, and you're not sure what you can throw away or take to the shredder and what you can't. You know, there's tax laws, there's this, there's that. So anyway, this article addresses that to the T, easy to understand article, and it's going to help you clean out the clutter. All right. The second most popular article that's streaming right now at savingthousands.com is how to deal with debt collectors. They are a pain, and some of them abuse their right to call you and ask for money. I mean, some of these debt collectors are collecting debts that we don't really owe anymore because the original person who gave us the service or gave us the money has written it off long ago, okay? But you need to be informed of what your rights are and how to deal with the debt collectors. The next article that is really getting your eye is the best ways to find great deals and save money. This is all the way from the grocery store, all the way through your life and housing, investments, and everything else. And finally, the fourth most popular article trending right now is how to close on a TRID loan and how it can be so simple if you pick the right mortgage company. Well, Robert, earlier in the show, I promised everyone that you would continue the conversation on refinance. So let's say you, you discover that you have a lot of equity in your home. Mm-hmm. Right now, what are we going to do? There's there's two ways to get access to that equity. Uh, number one is you can sell the home, right? So if you have a bunch of equity and you can sell the home, which really only does you any good. Well, there's a couple ways it does you some good. Uh, one, when you buy your next home, you can put just the minimum down payment down and you can keep that other equity out as cash. Right. Or you can buy a smaller home, which is an arbitrage. You know, if you sell a if you sell a three hundred thousand dollar home with a bunch of equity in it, and you turn around and buy a hundred thousand dollar home and get a mortgage on it, you're going to keep a lot more cash. You're going to free up monthly cash flow. These are all financial decisions you can make. Uh, the other thing is to refinance, and which we have a lot of people doing right now because I'm still paying all the closing yes, costs indeed. as a part of the, the $2.5 million closing cost giveaway I'm doing at RP Funding. So RP Funding, NMLS 70168, that's our license number. Uh, I took $2.5 million out of my advertising budget, and I stuck it into a slush fund that we are using to give away closing costs when people refinance their mortgage. And so what happens, I'm basically bribing you to take your mortgage from wherever it is today and move it over to RP Funding. And in return for that, I'm going to pay all the closing costs. So the refi doesn't cost you a dime in closing costs. All you've got to do is make your payments and pay your interest every month, which you're doing anyway. And you're probably doing it at a higher interest rate than the one I can give you. And if you need to take advantage of some of that equity, and maybe you've got some credit card debt we want to pay off, maybe you've got some loans that aren't at the most favorable interest rates and want to pay those off and bring those into a low interest rate mortgage, now is the time to do it because right now the refi doesn't cost you anything. And this is not forever. This this is not always available. This is something unique I'm doing right now until this $2.5 million runs out. And when that happens, I got to decide, do I bring in more money from the marketing budget or I just let this program go? It'll depend. I mean, you know, we're getting licensed in 15 more states. We're expanding. You know, I'm probably going to be so busy. I can't continue to do the, 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 the closing cost giveaway, the no closing cost refi. But for right now, it's there. And so if you're listening and you're thinking about refinancing, if you need to take advantage of some of that equity to pay off your credit cards, if you need to refinance, just lower your rate, lower your term. Again, when you're looking at all the pieces on the board, all right, the refinance is one of those pieces available to you and it has its specific uses. And if you understand the rules and you understand how to play with that piece and you understand how that piece fits into your overall financial goal, it can be one of the most powerful ones you have. You know, people have been able to tap the equity in their home or refinance their mortgage to a shorter term and a lower rate. I mean, think about that, Rob. If you cut five years off the back of your mortgage, 
and your mortgage is $1,000 a month, you just save $60,000 by simply cutting five years Look off the back side of your term, right? Five years is 60 payments. If the payments are $1,000 a piece, that's $60,000 you saved by cutting the term on your mortgage by five years. These are the types of power plays people are making financially that wealthy people are making. I want to teach everyone how to do it, right? I want to make sure that every average consumer out there driving down the road right now listening to me on the radio understands how to use these powerful pieces that the wealthy use, right? To save money, to earn more money, to take advantage of arbitrages and take advantage of credit and use them to their fullest potential. And for some people, the arbitrage is refinance to a shorter term and cut five years off. For other people, the arbitrage is cash out and pay off other high interest rate debts. For other people, it's extend the term out and take the difference and invest it in the market. These are all different things you can do using that one piece, which is the mortgage refinance. And that piece is never going to be more powerful than it is today, simply because I'm paying all the closing costs. Mm -hmm. So when you normally look at the, the refi piece, when you try to use that piece, try to put it in play, there's a penalty. There's a cost. The cost is the closing costs. The penalty is the money you have to spend to pay the closing costs. That penalty, that cost is eliminated right now because I pulled this two and a half million bucks out of my advertising budget and I'm giving it away to people who refinance. So you don't have a cost. You don't have a penalty. You have an opportunity right now to use a free play, a free piece, right? in the refinance to take advantage of today's interest rates, to take advantage of the arbitrage of lowering your monthly payment, of lowering your term, of taking cash out to pay off other debts. All of these pieces are available to you right now at no cost because I'm paying them and rates are still stupid low. That's the that's the official uh, mortgage technical term. That's it. Stupid low, right? I like that, stupid low. Stupid low. Rates are stupid low still. And you can take advantage of all that without paying a dime in cost. All you have to do is pick up the phone right now and put that piece in play by calling us at RP Funding, 855-773-8634, 855-773-8634. That spells 855-RP-Funding on the keypad. You can go to rpfunding.com. Rob, I really think they like it better when you give out the number. So why, why don't you oh, give it hey. out a couple times as well? All right, Robert, that is my pleasure. 855-773-8634. That's 855-773-8634. That's RP Funding. You can also go to rpfunding.com. That's right, rpfunding.com. And remember earlier in the show when we were talking home value hotline, that's a good one because with the home value hotline, as we've been saying, you have a much more precise evaluation of what your home is worth, then you know how much you owe, and the rest is equity, which we've been talking about. The Home Value Hotline is 866-222-8231. That's 866-222-8231. You know, we love this radio station you're listening to right now. We hand-selected it after doing a lot of market research on your town, on your area, on your region. And therefore, we truly love our relationship with this radio station. And we're very happy that you're listening to it. But you know, there may be times when you're going out of the reach of this radio station. We are travelers, aren't we? So we've got a service for you. That service is called the station listings, which you'll find at, guess where? Savingthousands.com. You knew that. Well, when you go there, you'll see the station listings. You'll see a map. And the map shows you that we've got affiliates in Florida. We've got affiliates in Mississippi, Tennessee, Oklahoma, and throughout the Southeast. And we are growing right now over 80 stations strong, right? Plus the iHeart channel. But we're adding more stations each and every week so that you're never out of range of saving thousands with Robert Palmer. 